Welcome back to the Gospel for Life. We're going to be very quick on the introductions this morning because we want to give some suggestions for books, and books always trump almost everything else. So, around the well, table, particularly with, the, with pastors, yeah, 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 sure. I mean, yeah. You know, like you came in, you said, "I got a new book uh, this week," and that was no surprise to anybody. No, no, it was, and I was really excited about the book. What had happened is I had actually ordered this book months ago as a pre-order, and had forgotten about it. And so it was, it was kind of like getting a, oh, nice. a late birthday gift. Like, yeah. really, what book is coming in the mail today? I wow, don't somebody remember. Loves me. Well, sometimes somebody sent me a book. That's the, that's the way it is. You know, I you're ordering from you know like whatever the book company is, and maybe you're just getting it with Amazon, and you start ordering often enough, and you forget what's coming in. And yeah. So you you know something's coming in because they've you've got an announcement that you're getting something, but you've forgotten, and you get to open it up like a present. Except to have a joint account with my wife, so I get all these notifications, but they're never for me. (laughs) So the quick introductions are this. Around the table is Vinny Henke from Valley Life Community Church, Ryan Hemphill from Treasure Valley Reformed Presbyterian, Jonathan Van Hoogen from Dayspring United Reformed Church, I'm Russ Herman from Cloverdale United Reformed Church. We want to do a quick plug for the conference because this involves books. We have a conference coming up October 21st and 22nd um, dealing with the topic of the church. We're in the process of finalizing the four talks on the the church. I've been in correspondence with the two speakers, um, Dr. Joel Beakey and Dr. Um, Derek Thomas. The problem has been that Derek Thomas is on a two-month sabbatical. Hmm. In my mind, he's on the two-month sabbatical because he's, he's preparing. preparing his he's talks preparing. for <laughs> our conference. That's why it's going to be that good that he is <laughs> spending filled. all the, of this The conference time. title is Oh, Church Arise, yes. and, it, and it is on the subject of the church. So we do know that much for sure, that it, the topic <laughs> is, the theme is the church. And how this relates to books is, we were talking about books coming in the mail. I get the the great joy and privilege of, of ordering a good majority of the books. Um, it's not a unilateral decision-making, but I do. It ends up that I place a lot of the orders, and they come to my house. So... Um, you get a finger, all of them. Oh, first. I do, I do. <laughs> and we have a massive order of books that is in process, so... Um, thousands of dollars of books are coming to my house in the next little while that you are going to get um, a substantial discount on. A lot of the books that we're going to be able to sell this year are going to be under 50% um, mm. of their retail value. So we are super excited about some of the relationships we've gotten. And we just gotten. pass that savings on. We, we do. We, we want people to be readers. You know, readers are leaders. And uh, you know, also, they, you know, you're self-taught. You're, you're, you're consuming the things that you should know. And beneficial for you and beneficial for your family. So if you haven't registered, go to ReformationBoise.com. Um, register. Tell a friend. Bring a friend. Um, there are book giveaways. There's going to be a ton of books for sale. There's um, different sessions on the church. We're going to be sitting under um, just solid um, teachers and preachers. We're going to have an opportunity to sing and and worship together um, and learn together. So please clear your calendar, October 21st, 22nd, com. We had another cliffhanger yesterday. I know so much excitement and so little time. Um, 
But you're going to have to wait just a little bit longer because we wanted to <laughs> plug a couple books on the topic of covenant. So, gentlemen, what would you recommend for people to read up on covenant theology? If you, I think if you're looking for just a, a short, simple introduction, there's a book by Thomas Schreiner called Covenant and God's Purpose for the World by Crossway. It's in their short uh, biblical theology series. So you can read that probably in a weekend. But it just gives a great outline of all of the covenants and how they connect to Christ and God's purpose for the world. Mm-hmm. Mentioned this uh, last week, uh, Covenants Made Simple, Understanding God's Unfolding Promises to His People. Covenants Made Simple, it's by Jaunty Rhodes. And uh, there's there's also a number of uh, other books. There's uh, Sacred Bond by Mike Brown and Zach Keel. It's called Z- Sacred Bond, Covenant Theology Explained. Um, there's a new book by Stephen Myers. He was one of our speakers at uh, in 2017. Yep. Uh, he wrote a book called uh, God to Us, Covenant Theology and Scripture. Um, God to Us is the title of that one. Ryan, any that you would throw out there? Yeah, uh, one that I mentioned before, uh, Bond of Love, um, by a man, I believe it's David, David McKay. It gives us a good overview and introduction to covenant theology, if you're new to it. And I would just throw out there that if you f- just have a good, solid, um, systematic theology, the chapter on covenant in those, whether that's Bovink or Burkhoff or... R.C. Sproul's Truths We Confess, as he works through Chapter 7 of the Westminster um, Confession, um, all of those are going to be solid on covenant theology as well. I'll mention one that uh, Josh Bales would mention if he was here. He, you know, It's Christ of the Covenants by O. Palmer Robertson. Yep. Mm-hmm. He said that that was the book that really helped him uh, navigate uh, covenant theology, Christ of the Covenants by O. Palmer Robertson. And if you really enjoy, if anybody listening really enjoys things that that is uh, that are hard to read, and you have to read over and over again to understand what's being said, Herman Witsius' Economy of the Covenants Between God and Man is uh, would be your you know, go-to well, there, source there. There, there are <laughs> grades. Of, there's, there's grades you can enter in. You yeah, know, the first right. one we tell you is uh, covenants made simple. And then, you know, but then you have covenants made complicated. That's right. That would come with a bottle of Advil. So if this makes any difference, what you're going to find is Reformed theology and covenant theology are the same. They're almost interchangeable terms. Right. And so when we talk about these resources, we could give you another 20 more. Right. Yeah. Um, because the greats have been writing on this for an awful long time. John Owen, uh, Jonathan Edwards. I mean, you've got John Murray from the last century um, that have written on covenant theology. Witsius is one of the first to, mm-hmm. to put out this massive, it's a two-volume set on covenant theology. Um, so you're, you're not going to lack resources. Um, you might lack commitment to it, but you're not going to lack the resources. So. Well, well, sometimes we get an idea that Reformed theology is only about you know the doctrines of grace or the you know you know total depravity, unconditional election, limited atonement, irresistible grace, perseverance of the saints. We think of those five points of Calvinism, and we say, oh, that's that's Reformed theology. But as you were pointing out, it's so much more than that. In fact, those five points are reminders of the covenant of grace. We love him because he first loved us. Mm-hmm. And that's the covenant that uh, of grace that we're talking about. And that's why those five points always point to the fact that God is 
previous to all of our actions. We love him because he first loved us. So we were talking about this framework of Kevin DeYoung, 312, and we were on the one part is there's only one covenant of grace. We were working through the major revelations of covenants in the Bible, Noahic, Mosaic, and, or I'm sorry, Noahic, Abrahamic, Mosaic, and we covered those on the last episode. Um, does somebody want to just give a quick summation of, of, of where we were on the last episode, and then we'll move on from there? Maybe it would be okay to go through the, the, the piece that you had? Yeah. Benny. So the each covenant has a promise of uh, a people preserved for God, a paradise or a, a place, and then the presence of God at their core. And so, and then as we work through the different covenants, we can see a peace emphasized. So no, the Noahic covenant is about the preservation of a people through judgment. Abraham, a purposeful place for God's people in the land. Uh, Mosaic, a new pattern of life under God's rule and authority in the law. Uh, the Davidic throne is the paternal God King ruling over his people and authority. And then the new covenant is the eternal presence of God as his people's sins are forgiven for all of eternity, once for all time. And we have covered the first three. And so we're going to pick up on that paternal aspect of the Davidic covenant. What do we learn about, about covenant in the Davidic covenant? What's new here, if if we want to say it a different way? What's new here mm-hmm. that we haven't seen before in the Noahic, Abrahamic, or the Mosaic? It's about the, it's about the King of the Covenant, about whose rule and reign we sit under. Um, you know, which would be is pointing to Jesus Christ, but it begins with David and the promise to David that there will be one of his seed that's going to sit on the throne forever. And so David is the pointer to the the ultimate uh, uh, king and ruler of this covenant. Yeah, if we flash forward, we can see Jesus' announcement when he preaches the gospel in, the, in Matthew and in Mark is, repent, turn, for the kingdom of God is at hand, right? The coming king has arrived is his first announcement. Mm-hmm. And so we see da- the Davidic covenant of the eternal kingdom and throne of God point forward to the fulfillment of Christ as the coming king. Mm-hmm. And, and, the, and we see that when that covenant is established, you know, David is wanting to build God a house and God says, I don't need a home, you know, I've, but he's, he promises to David that there would be a son that would build his house. And, you know, Solomon is born and he does in fact build the physical temple. But we also see in Solomon's life that he didn't measure up to the promised son of David. He falls away uh, for a period of time. Um, But this promise is in Christ, the son of David, and he's building a house or God out of living stones, his people, in addition to being the king. Mm-hmm. So. And this whole kingship, this idea that he governs over and leads and guides his his people, and we see this in the shepherd motif. Mm-hmm. Um, so shepherd, king, however you want to talk about it, is really the same idea. I just preached on John 10, and Jesus is taking to task the religious leaders of his day that were were false shepherds. And I think he's reaching back to Ezekiel 34 about false shepherds, true shepherds, and he's the good Mm -hmm. shepherd that comes. And Ezekiel 34 has this just curious comment. I will set over them, my people, one shepherd, my servant David. (laughs) And if you're reading the Bible, that should be a nonsensical verse to you. (laughs) Unless you believe in typology unless you realize wait how can you set over his people david david's dead well he's not referring to david david 
He's, David's greater son. He's referring to David's greater son. He's referring to Jesus Christ. Right. And okay. he's going to set him up as the true shepherd over his sheep. Yeah, that's yeah. how the Gospel of Matthew opens then, right? With the genealogy of Jesus establishing the link mm-hmm. through da- through the da- through the Davidic line. Yeah. yeah. As the Apostle Peter points out in uh, Acts chapter 2 in his sermon about how, you know, Psalm 16, when it talks about you will not let your Holy One see decay. Uh, well, he points out, you know, we can go to David's, but you know, tomb right here. We can all march up and get there and see it. But it's talking about Christ and the Son of David that would come. Well, we've got one more great covenant moment, um, and that is the new covenant of Jeremiah. What do we learn from here? Yeah, again, we're, we're seeing the eternal presence of God promised because through it's through the new covenant that the sins of God's people would be forgiven once and for all time. Um, we see all of the elements of people, uh, the paradise, and the presence of God. Uh, in there. One of the unique things is, is that we see that God promises this spiritual regeneration, this this rewriting of his word and his law on the hearts of God's people in the new covenant. And so it's not it's not an external experience, but an, but an internal spiritual awakening uh, that ties to the New Testament. Uh, Rush, you were talking about uh, on the day of Pentecost, when the spirit descends upon God's people and awakens them and uh, the new covenant passage in Jeremiah says that the, no longer will God's people need to teach one another because they'll know. There'll be an, an internal awareness of the grace and presence of God dwelling within them. We just have a short time left, but does somebody want to just tackle the idea of that new covenant doesn't necessarily mean entirely new? Go ahead. So that I'll just tackle yes, that. Yeah, I just ahead. want to just say very quickly that sometimes there's confusion that we hear the word new covenant and the word new in scripture hardly ever means altogether different. Right. Um, new almost always means a renewal. Mm-hmm. And so we just have to be careful. And this is where some people makes this sharp demarcation between the Old and New Testament because it's the Old Covenant, New Covenant, and means entirely different. And we'll have to cover that next time because we're out of time. See you then.